privilege to have with us the Shelley family. We have been associated with uh, the Berean uh, Baptist Bible College and the ministries there for many, many years. And Dr. Jacob Chile, many of you know him, uh, Brother Edwin Chile's father, and you've met his brother. You have two brothers, right? And guess how many sisters? Seven sisters. Is that right? Now, where are you in the birth order? You're the oldest of all of them? Second. Second. And all the girls in the middle? Can you imagine having, I had two sisters. I can't imagine having seven sisters. I was telling about Jonathan Edwards, you know, with, he was the middle and had five sisters on either side of him. Can you imagine that? One boy, ten sisters. They were all six feet tall, his sisters. And the preachers used to say that Dr. Edwards had 60 feet of daughters, if you can imagine that. Well, I don't know how tall his sisters are, but uh, the Shelley the family are a, a, a wonderful family. For generations, they're serving the Lord uh, there in, in India. If you see on the prayer card there, the population of India, 1.2 billion people. And uh, only 5% profess to be Bible-believing Christians. We think of the great the need there. There's a great need everywhere, isn't it? But you think about that, that great need there. And 68% of the people living on less than $2 a day. Well, the Lord has raised up these folks there to serve him and to train young people to do an amazing work. And their graduates go all over uh, India serving the Lord and, and uh, getting out the gospel. And Brother Chile is coming to minister to in just a moment. We're going to see a view for him, uh, a video presentation of the, the work and the ministry there uh, at this time. So we'll give them just a moment. Why don't you come say just a word to us while they get that in line. I've taken them off guard, and then we'll watch that, and then you come. His daughter, his wife, Sarah. Would you stand, Sarah? And uh, Julia. Where's Julia? And uh, Chloe and uh, Leah. And uh, I think, it's, is it Chloe that's going to sing for us in just a moment? All right. Brother Chili, come and give us a word. Well, I want to thank the pastor for giving us the opportunity to come and share what the Lord's doing in the land of India. I want to thank the church for supporting the ministry there for many years. When my father was uh, coming here for, I think, over 30 or 40 years, you've been faithfully supporting the ministry, and we want to thank you that uh, through your prayers and financial support, that many young people have been trained at the Bible College and have gone out into different parts of India and also into Southeast Asia, Myanmar, Thailand, Cambodia, and Laos, and also into China. And they're serving the Lord in different parts there. We have some of our students in uh, uh, Ethiopia who have gone there to serve. And so we thank God uh, for the way he has used many of these young people who come from very poor backgrounds, but God has used them in starting churches and uh, being missionaries, uh, uh, working amongst children, and uh, just doing a wonderful job. And it really has been a blessing to see how God is used. And we'll show you a video of what the Lord has done in the last uh, 59 years of the ministry and how God is continuing to use the college for training of young men and women in the land of India is a leader in the education of sound biblical training in India. The college adopted... Marian Baptist Bible College and Seminary is a leader in the education of sound biblical training in India. The college adopts the method of the Apostle Paul, who commended Timothy, saying, The things that you have heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Students come from all over India to Bangalore, the third largest city in India where the college is located to prepare for the ministry which God has called them to. 
The graduates of the college serve the Lord as pastors, church planters, evangelists, missionaries, and teachers. Our vision is that the people of India would turn from darkness to the wonderful light of the salvation of Jesus Christ. India is a nation of people who worship thousands of gods and goddesses as they seek one who can really meet their needs. Second only to China in population, 17% of the world's population live in India. The current population of India is 1.2 billion people, with one-third of the population living below the poverty line. Whether rich or poor, one billion souls need Christ. Hinduism and Islam are the dominant religions. Bible-believing Christians make up less than one-half of a percent of the population. There are few Bible-believing works active in India today. Yet in the midst of a land with thousands of gods and goddesses, Berrien Baptist Bible College shines the true light of the gospel in a very dark world. The Bible College was started in 1956 with two part-time students and has grown into a Bible College and seminary with an average enrollment of 300 students. With a burden to provide an excellent spiritual atmosphere and high academic standards, Berrien Baptist Bible College has over 5,200 graduates. Through the ministry of the Berrien Baptist Bible College and Seminary, other Bible colleges have been established as well as two schools, five children's home, and a printing ministry. The purpose of the college is to train Christian leaders and soul winners who will be church planters and ministers of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. 670 churches have been planted in the past 58 years of ministry. Currently, the ministry supports 70 local pastors who serve the Lord in the cities and villages of India. The door for foreign missionaries in India is closed. India stopped giving visas for the foreign missionaries in the 1950s, greatly reducing evangelism throughout the country. Nationals have taken up the responsibility and the command of God to evangelize the land of India, but they need your help. The light of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is shining in India, but there is much work to be done. One billion people live in darkness and their only hope is the Lord Jesus Christ. You may not be able to share the gospel with someone in India, but you can share a vital part of reaching the millions in India through your prayers and financial support. It costs $150 a month to support a Bible college student and $75 a month to educate and feed a child in a children's home. This is a vital time for evangelism and church planting in India. India is in the midst of a rapid social and economic changes. Indians are choosing new ways of life, and many are embracing the gospel and following Christ. Will you be part of this exciting spiritual movement in India? Will you help in the work of the Lord? Behold, now is the day of salvation. That gives you a small overview of the ministry of the college, and so do continue to pray for us as we serve the Lord in India, as we face many challenges and uh, difficulties, persecution, uh, but in spite of that, we've seen the Lord uh, working and people coming to know this, uh, the Lord as their personal Savior, and so do continue to pray for us. Uh, we have Quite a few needs that you can pray specifically that uh, God will enable us to uh, meet these needs. One of the things is uh, we have 
some old buildings that need some repairs, and they're trying to raise about $20,000 towards that. Uh, pray for that. The girls' dormitory needs some work to be done, maintenance work, and also for our children's home where we have, uh, where we transport our children to schools. Uh, and so we needed a vehicle. The one we have is already over 15 years old and uh, has given out. Uh, and so we just uh, are praying the Lord will provide these needs so that we'll be able to help many of these needy children to get them to school. Uh, and so do pray for these needs that God will provide. And also do pray for one of the major projects that we are planning on, uh, we are looking forward to. Uh, since I was trained as a medical doctor in family medicine, and uh, some, I work here in the United States when I am here uh, visiting churches, supporting churches, and trying to get new churches to partner with us in the ministry. I do work as a family physician, and uh, I support my, the family by working, but all the funds that we raise go 100% to the Bible College. But um, since we have a lot of opposition to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, since the government of India doesn't want us to uh, convert anybody to Christianity, they think that many of us are converting people. As you have heard that India is 1.2 billion people. 84% of the population is Hindus and 14% is uh, Islam. And then we have other religions and then 2.5% of that is Christianity. Majority of them are Roman Catholics. Bible-believing Christians are less than half a percent. And uh, we... Thank the Lord that God is still using this half small group of people to reach uh, the people of India with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we have faced many, uh, op- a lot of opposition, many obstacles that are thrown in, in the way. One of the things they want to do is to stop the funding from overseas for many of our Christian organizations. And uh, they're trying to... Uh, hinder that also. So I do pray that God will enable us to continue to remain faithful in spite of the persecution and trials and difficulties that we have, that God will continue to keep us strong and keep us faithful. As the Word of God says, that if we live godly in Christ Jesus, we will suffer persecution. And so that's part of the ministry, and that's something that we expect, and we don't know when uh, we get attacked, but we still continue knowing that the greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So do pray for some of these needs. We have our prayer cards. Do pray for that. It really encourages us as we uh, continue to labor in the field. Sometimes there are many days that we feel very discouraged, disappointed, uh, seeing the battles that we face uh, against the powers that be. And then uh, we just get an email or a a note from some church members that will say, we just prayed for you. Uh, We are praying for you and your ministry. It's just an encouragement to know that God's people are playing around the world for us and so that we can just continue in the work of the Lord. So do continue to pray for us. Take our prayer card. If you have any other questions about our ministry, we'll be happy to answer that and uh, I'll answer you any questions about the work there. So do pray for that. Do pray for our project. Because of the opposition that uh, we were facing, we want to start a hospital. It's a 25-bed hospital, and so do pray for that. It will cost, cost us, uh, projected cost is about $2 million. Uh, that uh, sounds like a lot of money, but we have seen how the Lord has provided in the past, and he will uh, in his due time. So do pray for that as we continue to serve the Lord, because this will be an opportunity for us uh, to share the gospel. 
because we have a law known as the anti-conversion law that if we, are call, uh, if we are found that we are converting people, we are imprisoned. Uh, and so you can be imprisoned for sharing the gospel, for distributing of tracts, uh, and all these uh, things that you do. People, sometimes there are people in the churches that people send, and when we preach the gospel, they would say, accuse people saying that they were trying to convert them to Christianity. And many pastors have been beaten, families have been beaten, uh, churches have been burned down because of the faith, uh, and we've been through a lot uh, in the land, but uh, we thank God that God has given, still gives us the victory as we continue to serve him. So do continue to pray for us that we will continue to serve and pray for these projects that uh, I would like you to pray that God will enable this so that the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ would continue uh, to flourish and the people of India would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have your Bibles this evening, turn to the book of Psalm 63 that was read this morning. I want to speak to you this evening about a desert experience. The desert experience, as we look at this passage of scripture, we see how David had been through many many times through the desert and how he experienced the blessings of God. And when he was tried and uh, Saul sought his life many a times, how God took him through the desert places. And there he learned great truths of God and how God had delivered him. It was Spurgeon who said, A weary place and a weary heart make the presence of God that, uh, the presence of God the more desirable. And when we go through many difficulties in our lives, as we go through challenges, as we face some uncertainties, as we are facing sometimes things that seem uh, uh, we, we have no control over, things that seem very impossible in our lives, we can look to the Lord. We can trust in Him. And, we can, and God takes us through that. And I believe that every Christian, as you walk with God, and as you fellowship with Him, that you will experience times in your life where you feel lonely, where you feel that there is no help around, and where you feel discouraged or disappointed. But I think there are t that's the time when you can call upon God. That when you can call upon Him and uh, seek Him, just like the psalmist says, O oh God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee, my soul thirsted for thee. And that's the hunger that we need in our lives as Christian believers. He says, my soul, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. He had a great desire to have that closeness to God. And I believe that as we experience this, uh, this experience as we go through life, that when we go through trials, when we go through some dark moments in our lives, or through a dark valley, it is a time that we can know that God is testing us. God is trying us to see what we are all made up about. You know? And God wants us to begin to put our faith and confidence in Him, knowing that He will work His will in our lives. And that's why He takes us into the desert place. In a place where there's nothing. There's no one around there. 
It is just you feel lonely and alone. And then there you can meet with God. And know the presence of God. And there you can enjoy the blessings of God. I think that's what Jacob experienced. When he was going back to battle from his father-in-law Laban. And then now he's uh, going to meet his uh, uh, brother Esau. And now he has to face his brother. He has to face a lot of his past. But there in that lonely night. In the darkest moment of his life. With much fear and trembling. There he is (coughs) on his knees. Wrestling with the almighty God. And seeking a blessing from God. We see what the Lord does to Jacob doesn't he? There he is wrestling with him. I mean, I I don't believe it was a physical wrestle that he was wrestling with God. I think that he was on his knees praying to the Lord and agonizing with him. And then God comes and there the Lord Jesus Christ with him wrestling. There he has to face his past. He had to face all that he has done before he could enjoy the blessings of God. That was in a desert place, wasn't it? By the river Jabuk. In the night, in the darkest of the night when he was all alone, his family had gone and everybody was out there. He was alone with God at night. And I think that's why God takes us into a desert place so that he can meet with us alone. So that he can teach us That he can guide us. That we can trust in him. And that when we put our faith and trust in him. That we do not have to be disappointed. That we won't be discouraged. In the things. What God is doing in our lives. What God is planning to do in each one of our lives. Sometimes he takes us into the desert place. So that you and I can be broken. Completely broken. That we can completely surrender our lives. Like Jacob had to do. He had to be broken. He had to surrender his life totally to God. And that's why God asked him. What is your name? The Lord asked him. What is your name? He said my name is Jacob. And if you think about it. Why did God ask him the name? Because God wanted him to realize I think. You know, your name meant deceiver. Your name meant supplanter. And you see all the cutting ways that you have done. All the cunning craftiness that you have done in your life. Now before you go back to battle, before I can bless you, I need you to settle things right. And there he had to get everything right before God, before the Lord could bless him. And then his name there was changed from Jacob to Israel, the prince with God. My friend, that's what God does when we meet with him alone in the desert place. He breaks us. He molds us. He teaches us great lessons. And so there are some things that we can learn from the desert place. I believe the desert place will be a place that God prepares us. For his purpose. For his plan. God will take us through many different 
ways of life. And many of us may not understand the way of God. But God has a plan. God has a purpose for each one of us. And I believe He takes us through the desert places to reveal His purpose in our lives. Growing up in a Christian home, in a preacher's home, I had no desire to serve God. I had no desire to know God, to serve the Lord. Because I saw the difficulties my father went. I saw the persecution. I saw the, uh, all that he went through in his life. But I just thanked the Lord because my father would say, when I would always say, when he tells me to serve the Lord, I would say, look at all the struggles you've been through. And he says, there's no greater joy than serving the Lord. He says, you don't understand this. He said, I, I lived in the secular world, I know. But serving the Lord is the greatest thing. But then as I continued in my life and as I continued in my ministry uh, to preparing myself uh, to be a medical doctor, God had to speak to me. You know, God, like that, uh, I think like Jacob, I had to come to the brook. I had to come to a place in my life where God had to break me, where God had to uh, just mold me and to humble me. In my pride and in my arrogance, I was there searching to find my own way, my own uh, life and my own glory. I wanted to achieve things in my own way. But there, when I was uh, as a medical student, studying in my third year, going into my fourth year of college and in work, you know, doing my clinical clerkships in Chicago, living there, there was a night when God really met with me. As I drove into the city of Chicago, my sister, I have seven sisters, one of them, uh, three of them are doctors, so one of them was with me. My older sister and I were together in the college at that time, in the medical school. And she was working in the hospital, so I had to go and pick her up, and she said she was ready, and I was going to pick her up. And driving through the city of Chicago where we were living, it was a bad neighborhood, but, you know, when you're a student, anything cheap sounds good, doesn't it? Right? So if you can save some money, yes, we did. And so we were living in these neighborhoods that we could walk to the hospital. And then that night in the summer of, uh, uh, I think, 2000, June, that I was driving I stopped at a stop sign, and as I went through the, star, uh, the intersection, I heard like a firework go off. My passenger window, window was shattered, and I felt like somebody hit me with a sledgehammer on my right shoulder. And as I began to drive, I was in a lot of pain. And then as I was beginning to drive towards the hospital to pick up my sister, I could not bear the pain. I started feeling warm blood, and I knew that at that moment that something happened to me that probably I was shot. Went to the emergency room and they said, yes, you are shot. You know, and they used some cheap bullets. So it had all shattered my shoulder and I had to have surgery. But the night staying in the hospital room, I had to meet with God. I had to have my desert, desert experience there. There on that bed, I cried out to God.
You know, I had to face my sins, my rebellion, my disobedience. And I said, Lord, I surrender it all to thee. Whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to do. Yes, my friends, sometimes a desert experience is a place where God is going to break you. Where God is going to humble you. Where God is going to teach you some lessons. He says, this is not the way that I want you to go, but this is the way, walk ye in it. You know, I thank God that he met me that night. I thank God for that night because if it wasn't for that night, I probably wouldn't be standing here. I thank for God, thank God for godly parents who didn't give up on me. You know, my father would always say I was foolish, I was stupid, you know. He never minced his words. He was straightforward. You know, he always reminded me, he said, you know, the Lord spared my life many times. And every time he would remind me, he says, if you don't serve the Lord, the Lord will kill you. That's all he would tell. He would always remind me, if I want to do something on my own, and he knows that's not what God, and it's not the will of God for my life, he, would, he, he was a man of the scripture, and he knew that I was doing something that is not scriptural. He says, if you do not change your ways, God will kill you. You know, when I was young, I had brain meningitis. And the doctor said, there's no hope. There's no hope for you. There's no hope for you to take him to the hospital. He's going to die. And so they, my, my mother asked my father, what did the doctor? He says, well, the son is going, he's going to die. There's no hope. But he said, we have a God in heaven. Let's pray and see what God will have us to do. And they prayed all night, he said. And the next morning I woke up. And so that's why my, dog, my dad would always remind me, you know, desert place, a desert experience. God prepares us for something. Prepares us for some task that he has for us. But the question is today, is are we willing to submit to God? Are we willing to give our all to him? And say, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. And that's what David had to face. I think that's what Moses had to experience in the desert place, didn't he? Well, he had all the glory. He had all the wonderful educations of the Pharaoh's court. He was educated in all of the Egyptian uh, religion, Egyptian mathematicians, and all the science and everything. But God said, that's not what I want. That's not the philosophy of the world that I'm going to use. He says, I will take you to the back of the desert and I will teach you some lessons there. And those are the lessons that you're going to take to lead my people, Israel, into the promised land. It's not your experience in Pharaoh's court that is going to be taking you, the children of Israel into the promised land. 
He says, what I teach you in the back, uh, back of the desert, in the lonely places of the desert, I believe. Well, the thing, as you look at this, um, his life, Moses' life, you see how God was working in his life. You know, 40 years he turned. Then he thought the time had come that he would be the deliverer. And God said, this is not the time. There he was in the desert. In the backside of the desert. And there he was trained of God. For a purpose. To lead the children of Israel. You know. God taught him. How to keep the flock. In keeping the flock, what did Moses learn? He learned how to be meek. He learned how to be content. You know, that's something, you know, I've been reading a book by one of the Puritan writers about being content. You know, godliness with contentment is great gain. And the contentment they talk about is not something, you know, we're just satisfied. He's talking about the spiritual contentment that we need to have in our hearts, in our lives. Just not the physical contentment, but the spiritual contentment. Am I happy with the things that God has given me? Am I happy with the way that God is leading me and guiding me? Am I happy with what as the richness of God's word gives into my life? Am I spiritually content with God? And I think Moses had to learn how to be meek and content with whatever God has given to him. And leading one million people was not an easy task, was it? But how long did God prepare him? Forty years in the desert. It's a place God prepares us Maybe you're going through some desert experience this evening. I encourage you, just humble yourself before God. Submitting all that you have to Him and leave it at the feet of Jesus. And God will do much things better for us than we can do for ourselves. When we give everything to God and leave it in His hands, he does what is best. As for God, His way is perfect. He's a buckler to all them that trust in Him. My friends, we just have to trust the Lord. Just trust the Lord that He will have His way with us. There's another great example in Scripture. Where we have the life of Joseph. The life of Joseph tells us about his desert experience. You see here is a boy, young lad who loved the Lord. And how God raised up Joseph. He had a dream. And in his dream he said the sheaves. There were twelve sheaves. And his sheaf was standing up. And the other eleven were bowing down to him. And his brothers took, uh, uh, were jealous. And made him mockery of him. But we see how Jacob took notice of all those things. Jacob loved Joseph. 
And you see what happened when Joseph went, was obedient to his father, went to see his brothers, and you know the story how he was sold to the when they put him in the uh, in the pit. They wanted to kill, and we see how Reuben and others came to deliver him out from being killed. How he was sold to the Midianites, and then how he was sold into Potiphar's home, and there you see how he was accused. But you know, as you look at as Joseph went through this desert experience, we see that Joseph trusted in the Lord. And we know that even through all his difficulties, separated from his father, whom he loved, separated from his family, from his brothers and all this, he could have been complaining. He could have been uh, bitter and said, why is God doing this to me? But we see Abraham. Joseph never, ever complained about his situation. Whether when he was sold and going with the Midianites, he did not conf- com- complain. Whether in Potiphar's house, he was what a man. God had blessed him and Potiphar saw that the Lord was with him and gave him all the responsibility. And when he was tempted, he said, I cannot do this for my master. He ran from sin. Yes, for his faith and for his stand and conviction, he paid a price. My friends, that's so true. When we take a stand for God and when we have convictions in what we believe and we do not compromise, there's a price to pay. You know, how sad it is today that many, many of our churches are trying to compromise. Here a little, there a little, trying to attract. But my friends, let us heed to the word of God and let us have strong convictions based on the word of God. And let us not be tossed to and fro by every whim of movements that come in the society today. But let us be rooted and grounded in the word like Joseph was. Whatever the temptation was, whatever the trial was, whatever the testing was, Joseph's convictions was in this God of the Hebrews. And he said, I'm going to stand for my God. He could have compromised. He could have given in. But he stood. His ground. He paid a price. He was falsely accused. He was put in prison. And he was forgotten. But the Lord never forgot Joseph. My friends, how true that is today. People forget us, but our dear Lord never forgets us. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. What a great promise. God has given to us. Yes, you will, we will go through some desert experiences that God will use in our lives to help us to grow in grace and knowledge of him. And you see what God, how God delivered Joseph. And when you come to the last chapters of the book of Genesis, 
And when we see after Jacob's death, the brothers will come to Joseph and say, Joseph will now take revenge because our father is dead. But what does Joseph turn around to his brothers and says, Don't worry. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. My friends, how could any one of us say that? You say that selling you was good? Do you say that being falsely accused was good? Do you say that being in prison was good? And Joseph said, yes. God took me, brought me to this place. Why? Because he wanted me to save much people alive. God had a purpose for Joseph. God had a plan. And Joseph just humbled himself in his desert experience. And he gave himself to God. And you see how God used him. My friends, the only way I believe Joseph could have stood all these testing was he had a relationship with the Almighty God. He spent time with God just like the psalmist said early. For he says, I will seek thee. Early, he said, I will long for thee in a dry and thirsty land. He says, early will I seek thee. My friends, if we want to overcome temptations, we want to overcome the world and its pressures, the only way we can do that, we need to be in close fellowship with the Almighty God. Spending time in His Word and on our knees. There's no other way. Yeah, your seminars are all good, but they will never benefit you unless you get into the Word and you spend time alone with God. All the books in the Christian bookstore you can go and have in your library, but my friend, that will not do you good unless your heart seeks the Lord. Unless... You spend time in, the, in his word. He says, look at verse 6. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. My friends, that's what we need today for the churches to be strong, for the churches to have power. Today is we need churches that are filled with men and women of prayer. And spend time like Jacob and others of old wrestle with God in prayer and say, Lord, we will not leave thee unless thou bless us. That's what David said, I will seek thee early. I will meditate upon thee on the night watches. That means all through the night he was thinking about God. The Almighty. Oh, friends. God may take us to a desert place to prepare us for a greater task. Are we willing to surrender our all to Him? Are we willing to give Him all that we have? And when God is finished with us, you will see the picture what God was doing with you in the desert. You can see what God was doing in your life and in my life. 
Now I can sit back and when I think about the night that I was shot, I can say, this is what God was doing in my life. Because there is a time I had to humble myself in the desert. I had to surrender. I had to say, Lord, it's not about me, but it's about you. Here I am. That's what Isaiah, when he saw the holiness of God, when he saw God Almighty enthroned in all his glory, and then he looked at himself and he says, Oh, is me, for I'm a sinful man. Oh, is me, for a man of unclean lips. He had to humble himself and recognize who he was till God use him. Yes, even Paul the Apostle had a great desert of experience. And many were the experiences that he had had. But in all that you see when God took him through all those desert experiences, we see how Paul said, For I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him. Against that day. Oh, the prison. If you look in Second Corinthians, he will tell you how many times he was beaten. How many times he was in shipwreck. How many times he was in prison. He said, but all these things I count loss for the excellency of the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, God will take us. But God will also bring us through. He will take us into the furnace. He will stay with us in the furnace. And he will get us out of the furnace. Amen. That's what he did with the Hebrew boys, didn't he? He went with. They were in the furnace. He was with them in the furnace. And they came out of the furnace. What a savior we have. What a God we serve. Do you seek him? My friends, as you go through life. As you go through difficult times in your life, as you face some trials, testings, challenges, disappointments, discouragement, I encourage you, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understandings. In all thy ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Oh, what a great God we have. That we can trust in him. Hey, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff. They comfort me. What a savior. Even in our darkest hour. The Lord of great comfort. Will comfort our hearts. May the Lord bless you. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word that you've given to us today, that you've allowed us to feed upon. It has been our manna. We thank you for our dear servant here. Lord, thank you for sending this precious family our way tonight and being an encouragement to us. And Lord, we pray that this word would not return void. And I know that when you've laid upon your servant's heart the word to preach, it is the word for us for this very hour. Lord, 
May we seek you. You've spoken to all of us about seeking you and seeking your face in that time of desert. There may be someone in a desert place, Lord, just now. May we surrender. May we give you all that you deserve. All of us, Lord, you've been so gracious to us. May we surrender to you this evening. To that one who may be wandering afar, we pray you'd bring them to yourself. And Lord, as always, those who may be outside of Christ, lost and undone, may they bow their will to the Savior tonight. We pray in Jesus' name.